As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I love the Raiders. Most of all, I love to win. You are now listening to State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Nguyen, and Deshaun Reed on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Nguyen, Deshaun Reed, ready to break down the Raiders' 45-20 loss on Sunday to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Obviously, a weird week for the Raiders. This was supposed to be a Sunday night football game. That's what we were all hyping up earlier in the week. The game ended up being changed to a Sunday afternoon game. The Raiders dealt with a whole mess of COVID-19 related issues with Trent Brown and Jonathan Abram unable to play. The rest of their starting offensive line unable to practice all week. Ultimately, whether that was the major factor in this game, hard to say. I mean, certainly having Trent Brown and Jonathan Abram out there on Sunday would have allowed for things to be maybe a little bit better. Uh, add some thump to that defense and add a little more protection on that offense. But Vic, for you, no excuses, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of uh, tuning out a little bit when after the game when everyone's talking about Obviously, it's a very unique situation, the COVID-19 protocols and having the linemen not being at practice. And I get all that. and But to me, it came down to, the, again, to the defense. I think the defense gets no pass rush. And I'm not sure, again, I mentioned it last week in the podcast. I don't know what happened in Kansas City for that one half, but I guess it was like a, like a magic spell. Because that's like, I mean, I'm not sure how that's going to happen again. I just don't know how they can get pressure and affect the game. So I thought today, you know, the game got out of hand at late, but um, I just don't know how you can beat good teams without, without a pass rush. And I, to me, it's more like they've lost now three out of four games. If you, you know, so the Chiefs game was great, but it's kind of stuck in the middle of this this bad pattern. So I don't know if that bad pattern is going to go away anytime soon. I think they're just going to have to be reliant on blitzing. And I think they really have to make commitment to blitzing more, getting used to those blitz coverages, getting used to some fire zones and that type of deal because David Irving might come in and he might spark some juice but I mean th- this rush was you know non-existent today once again and I, I just don't think there's going to be some miracle breakout players that fix this pass rush I don't think they could have done it you know, commit to the blitz against Kansas City and uh, against Tampa Bay just because Mahomes and Brady are so good against the blitz but now you're going to go against some quarterbacks that aren't good against the blitz starting with Baker Mayfield 
from this point on, Gunther really has to make a commitment to blitzing. And I mean, what else do you have to lose? You're going to give him a touchdown in one play or you give him a touchdown in four plays, you know? So just, just do it. Yeah, I don't think they can stick with just rushing four any longer. You know, as you said, I mean, the secondary is getting picked apart anyway. So, I mean, you might as well give your, yourself a chance of, of, you know, at least a semblance of a chance of getting home. Even if it's just a five-man blitz, you know, you don't have to go all out or anything of that nature. But uh, I guess maybe one thing, you know, we'll have to see, you know, David Irving, he was promoted to the active roster before this game, but he didn't play. Um, he was really inactive before the game. But, I mean, one player isn't going to fix this issues that they have. And so I think they're going to have to start getting a little bit more, more creative with the scheme moving forward. To me, the problem is when they blitz earlier in the year, nobody got home. Tell me who got home on the blitz. I mean, I can't remember. I mean, I don't know if they have guys who can do that. So I just think it's – you said either way you lose, but you lose a lot faster when you blitz and no one gets home. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, like you mentioned, David Irving, hopefully he's got some juice left. And I, I think you got to go back and, and call up Chris Smith and Dayton Jones. They played well against the Chiefs, so give them a second chance. But the guys they have right now just aren't, aren't cutting it. I think ideally you would want Littleton to be that guy, right? I mean, like he has some success or a good amount of success actually blitzing with the Rams. Uh, you would think that that's still something he could do. I don't think he forgot how to do it in a year. So, you know, maybe now that you know, he's after the game, he's feeling more comfortable. He hasn't played well so far, but uh, if he's just going to get toasted in coverage. I mean, you might as well <laughs> you know, send, him, send him on a blitz. Let's just try it. I mean, they have to do something. They can't just continue to just do the same thing every week. I agree. You got to try something. I, I agree. You got to mix it up somehow. Yeah, I mean, and Gruden referenced after the game that it sounds like he has something in mind that he wanted to change. I mean, Vic, you asked him, how do you address the lack of pass rush? And, you know, he said, well, I'm not going to say it here today, but, you know, reference the whole idea of if we're going to rush four people, we're going to have to do it a lot better today. So he seems frustrated with the defense. I don't know if that frustration is pointed at all in the direction of Paul Gunther, a guy who he's, you know, wholeheartedly supported his whole tenure here. I mean, do you gather any kind of idea that that's where some of that frustration lies? I don't get the sense that Gunther's in trouble. I know the pattern's been been bad, but um, I just don't get the sense that Gruden's there quite yet. I think another, another thing, I'm not sure who you who do you promote. I mean, Rod Marinelli, the D line's not been good, so I'm not sure how you reward him for their performance. And I'm not sure Wilson staff can step. But you can't really hire from the outside, so I don't know if that's really the way you want to go at this point. I mean. Uh, especially a week after Gunther's biggest success was that second half against the Chiefs. So I, I don't get the sense that Gruden's quite there yet. Yeah, I don't see anybody on staff that could take his place. I mean, Rod Marinelli's an old-school cover two guy that's not going to blitz at all. So, you know, part of the reason why they hired Gunther was because he's a good blitz designer. I mean, that's what he did when he was in Cincinnati. He comes from the Mike Zimmer tree. So I think they have to get better at blitzing, and the only way they're going to do it is if they practice these things, and that's part of the appeal of getting Corey Littleton is he was a good blitzer. Abram could be a good blitzer. LaMarcus Joyner could be a good blitzer. I I think part of the problem was they just were really bad at blitz coverage, so quarterbacks were able to get rid of the ball quickly when they blitz. So they have to work on their communication and get things settled you know with their blitz coverages and then just commit to that sort of uh philosophy because what's happening right now is just not going to work yeah i got a lot of comments in my story you know fire paul gunther like why hasn't he done it already like there has to be some upside to doing that and as we said there's no internal candidate you can't really go outside and revamp the defense at this point in the season usually you know if a guy if a coordinator gets fired like that it's, it's a head coach trying to save their job put the blame on somebody else and gruden is nowhere near being in that kind of scenario so i just don't see it happening you know at any point this season let's think just completely like it would have i mean this is pretty bad but it would have to go all the way off the rails for him to, to jump ship i think 
if they're going to make a transaction, there is a certain defensive end who is tweeting that his house in Cincinnati is for sale, who played for defensive coordinator Paul Gunther. Uh, Carlos Dunlap, unhappy in Cincinnati, 82 and a half career sacks. Uh, is that something the Raiders might have to consider going after? Yeah, I say do it. I don't know what the price tag is, but I say do it. I mean, obviously they need something because this team obviously, you know, obviously is a good enough offense where there are some real playoff possibilities. So you hate to waste it on a defense that can't uh, can't do anything. So I think you got to bring in help. I mean, even at safeties. I mean, I, I think you need help at safety also. I mean, I know I've said that uh, Thomas is kind of a disaster after what happened in Baltimore, but at this point, bring him in. I mean, I think you got to shake it up a little bit with, with these players. Yeah, I just – it's just kind of with the trades. I don't know who they, as we said, I don't know who they have to offer. They have a bunch of young players that they probably don't want to give up on at this point. And, um, I don't think they, they're looking to trade any high draft picks. But I don't know, maybe, maybe sell high on Nelson Aguilar or something like that. But like, other than that, I don't really know, you know what they could move for that kind of a player. I mean, with what Dunlop's doing out there on Twitter, the price tag on him can't be too high. I mean, it, you would think, <laughs> I mean, the way he's begging out, uh, they're in a position where they pretty much have to move him. And, you know, we've seen NFL trades that uh, take a lot less draft capital than you expect. Yeah, I think, if, you know, I think a fifth rounder would do it for, for Dunlop. I mean, it, it's not like he's been playing ama- you know, spectacularly, but he's probably going to be the Raiders' best pass rusher as soon as he, get, he gets in the building. I think his contract is doable. Obviously, you, know, you talked about him having experience in Gunther's system. So you bring in Dunlap and Irving and you start blitzing more. And uh, who knows, maybe they could generate some pressure. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. So going back to Sunday's game, this was a game that was a one-possession game into the fourth quarter. The Raiders uh, were down at one point, 24-17. They cut it to 24-20 when they kicked a field goal on fourth and one. Eh, They say closer to fourth and two. What do we all think about that decision? I mean, it was a chance where if they convert there, they can maybe tie this game. Instead, they get within four points and, you know, they hope to get a defensive stop. Not an analytic-friendly decision there. 
Did anybody support it? I know Derek Carr said after the game that he was arguing for them to go for it. But once they did kick the field goal, he he thought it was the right decision. But uh, that, that, I think that was probably him just playing nice. Yeah, I got to keep that same energy. I was saying in the they had a similar situation in the Patriots game where, you know, they went down to score right after they decided to kick the field goal. And uh, obviously that game was more out of hand than this one. But I think you have to stay aggressive. I thought he set the tone, Gruden, early on when they went for that, you know, went and converted that fake punt, you know, in their own, deep in their own territory. You would think that in that situation, I mean, whether it's fourth and two or not, like, you know what your defense is, even though they hadn't given up that many points to that point in the game, like, eventually they're going to break, like, I just think at this point in the season, they just have to be aggressive at all times, especially in a situation like that. Because, you know, you go from being down one score to one score. If we made this point before, it doesn't really help you that much. Yeah, I thought it was weird because of, you know, going for it earlier on the fake punt. I mean, why would you go for that? I mean, if you're going to go for that play and you're all out there, why not stay all out there and keep going for it? So I do think it was kind of a weird back, a back, backward, uh, a backtrack for John. I, but I think you know the problem for him. I think is he's kind of like, you know, he's an old school coach. So I think he wants to get the points, make a stop, get the ball back, and keep going momentum. And especially he mentioned it at home also. But again, his defense is not that good. So I think um, he's fighting it. But at some point, I have to realize he just can't. He can't rely on his defense no matter what, pretty much. And you have to go for it, I would say, on fourth and two or less, pretty much whenever. This is not football in the era that Gruden uh, was coaching in in 1998. Scoring was down. There was a lot more defensive stops. Nowadays, even you know, without thinking about the Raiders' defense, scoring is just up overall in the league. So you have to be more aggressive with these decisions, and you can't count on these stops, and especially when you, you have – the Raiders defense there. So I agree. I thought it was weird that he did go for a fourth down early on in the game, kind of uh, like it, towards midfield, I believe. And then, then when you're close to the end zone, you have a chance to, to tie the game. You decide you're going to get conservative then. I think you got to make a, a decision on what your philosophy is and you got to commit to it. I will say this though, I was just thinking about this, but they couldn't run the ball. I mean, obviously the Bucks were definitely keying on the run. The O-line had some problems. Josh Jacobs, I think, had 17 yards and 10 carries. So I'm sure that's also weighing on John's mind. Like, you know what? We haven't been able to get one or two yards whenever when we need it. So it's, it's obviously a tough call. It's easy to, to, to second guess them, but I mean, they weren't able to run the ball all game. So that's definitely a factor also, I think. Is the run game issues, is that as simple as, as the offensive line issues? I mean, really, it's been a few weeks now that Josh Jacobs has not been able to get loose. Um, this was obviously his roughest game, only 17 carries. As a team, 76 carries, 3.2 per pop, and, and really it was probably less than that until Rashard got a couple of decent runs on that final drive. I mean, until then, Derek Carr was lined up to be the leading rusher for the Raiders. What can they do to get this ground game going? I mean, it uh, Trent Brown being out there helps, you would think, but... Having Gabe Jackson for for four quarters helps, you would think, and we'll get into the whole ejection there in a minute. But uh, what do they have to do to get this ground game going? That was supposed to be a big anchor of this team with Josh Jacobs on the ground. Yeah, I think the offensive line is a pretty big part of it because it's been, you know, even though this game was the worst, um, it's been a thing this entire season. I mean, they haven't had, it was expected to be their offensive line going into the season for the first drive of the year, basically. And after that, it's just been a mix of backups and starters and, I'm sure, you know, there's there's some communication issues. That's what Colton Miller said after the game. And, you know, maybe Jacobs could, could read blocks a little bit better. But that offensive line, when, when you're going, you know, they basically had three backups starting at the end of the game today, you know, and going up against a, as you said, it's been a multi-week 
thing, but going up against this Bucks run defense, I wasn't that surprised to see the effort today. But I don't think it's a situation where, like, you know, Jacobs regressed or anything like that, but it's just the blocking lanes aren't there. Yeah, I did a pregame radio spot in Tampa, and I was telling him the Raiders wanted to run the ball. You know, that was their game plan. And the guy laughed at me. The guy, the on-air host, like, you can't you can't run against the Bucks. I'm like, well, they're going to try. But he was right. that You can't run against the Bucks, especially with the O-line being kind of a, a mess like it is for the Raiders. So I think, you know, Sam Young leaving the game hurt. I think he's been a reliable, you know, backup tackle in the league. So they were without Trent Brown, then also Sam Young. And, and, and Deshaun mentioned Gabe, so – Again, the O-line, I think, is a big part of it. I mean, uh, you, you almost want to give Josh a, a mulligan uh, in, in this game. The Bucks are on pace to have a historically good run defense, and you're going against that, and you have injuries on the offensive line. It's just tough, and like Deshaun said, they've been rotating on the offensive line. There's been no continuity. Richie Incognito has been hurt since, uh, what, the New Orleans game? You know, he's one of the best run blockers in the league, so... Once they get this line healthy, I think the run game will get going. But they need to get some reps together. And they're going to be going against Cleveland, who is not very good against the run. Hopefully they can get some momentum going as far as their run game goes, starting with uh, that game. All right, the Gabe Jackson ejection. Obviously, the, the footage that you know everybody sees that was on the broadcast didn't really show anything ejection-worthy. Unfortunately, the camera pans away from the action before we really see the completion of it. So... I guess we can assume, and, and it sounds like the NFL you know, basically said that they had other footage in terms of what John Gruden's understanding was that showed, uh, you know, Vic, you talked to the referee after the game as the pool reporter, and he claimed that Jackson stepped on uh, on a player's shoulders. That's basically the story from the NFL standpoint. Um, I'm sure everybody, I know everybody would like to see video of it. I don't know if we ever will. That was a tough blow. It just as you mentioned, the cameras cut away. Just as they were cutting away, you see Gabe going towards the, the, the player on the ground. They also see the, the official right there. The official's like two two yards away, so he's right there on top of it. So I have to imagine whatever happened happened right at that moment, and the official saw it. So I mean, I'm not sure what Gabe's going to say or, or what the you know, but I would imagine that it was a legitimate uh, ejection. Yeah, I couldn't really see from up in the press box what happened. Not that I was looking to see. But I also don't remember Gabe Jackson, you know, kind of vehemently. Ah, oh, what is that? What kind of call? You know, I didn't see a lot of protests from it. So, <laughs> you know, that's a good, that's a good that point. Tells a lot. Chances are he probably did it. Obviously, you know, Dominican Sue did grab him by the shoulders and throw him down. I believe that was probably before this. Uh, I was looking through the the wire photos. The photographers actually have a really good shot of of Sue yanking Jackson down by the shoulder. So you could see where he would uh, maybe be uh, a little bit upset uh, after that. And uh, we know kind of the old adage in football is they always catch the guy who retaliates. I think it's important to note, too, that Gabe Jackson's not known for doing this. I, I really don't even remember a dirty play from Jackson, too. So this is kind of uncharacteristic if it actually did happen. Yeah, but Sue, Sue can get some guys riled up. He has his own history, so he probably did little things here and there throughout the game. And, I don't know, Jackson might just snap, so. But, you know, I know a lot of fans have been talking about that, but that's not why they, they lost the game or anything, of course. All right, let's find a little positivity to uh, to go out here with. Uh, Nelson Aguilar, again, looks like a, a guy I know Gruden mentioned after the game that they're hoping to get Brian Edwards back next week, but even if they do, it's going to be hard to take Aguilar off the field. Uh, five catches, 177 yards, uh, you know, the touchdown on that opening drive, which that was just a dime from Carr, you know, kind of put it in that spot where Aguilar would have to high point it. And he made a great catch. And Aguilar is really looking like a great find in free agency for the Raiders. Vic, you were right. You were right. Well, you know what? 
I hate to be a negative Ned, but he had like three or four drops. No, he drops the balls off his hands towards the end of the game. I thought he didn't finish very strong. And like the interception was off his fingers and it won the goal line. They should have caught. So I, 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 went away. I left the game kind of uh, a little sour. I didn't think he uh, obviously had a great start, but I thought his finish was not very good. So, I, I mean, I think um, those are plays that he had to make in, in this game. He didn't make them. So I'm, I'm not driving the uh, Nelson Aguilar train uh, tonight. You popped off? Hopped off a little bit, yeah. Well, I'll make it back on later, but I, I, like I said, I, I'm not sure what the number if it was three or four, but there were more than two, I think. There were plays where the ball kind of went out where right there and he had a chance to make a play and he couldn't do it. i got to watch the replay. I think they were iffy, but I, I thought the DB might have been pretty close to him. I, I think with Aguilar, he's good when he gets behind guys, but he's not a guy that you're going to throw trust to make those contested catches. I just don't think he's done it consistently throughout his career, and that's where... Brian Edwards will go in. Obviously, Aguilar will still be a, a big part of the game plan, but I think with Edwards back, you'll get a little bit more in the inter- intermediate area, a little bit more as far as contested catches. Yeah, and as Vic tweeted after the game, I think Henry Ruggs only had, like, what, three targets in this game? I mean... Nelson had nine, nine to three, yeah. Yeah, and Henry, I mean, it looked like he might have tweaked his knee or something in his lower leg at some point in the game, so maybe he was shaking up, but... I think you got to get get the guy the ball a little bit more, especially coming off the performance he had against the Chiefs. Throwing him the deep ball, I mean, I think they did at least once. Whether or not those connect, and you, you kind of think the more they throw him, eventually a few more of them will connect. But um, right now, they're just not quite on page with those. But uh, I mean, I thought I thought Derek Carr played fairly well. You know, I don't think this this is not a loss that you are sitting there saying, "Oh, Derek, I blame it on Derek Carr." I mean, I thought he played pretty well. Uh, not a perfect game, but but certainly not a bad game by any means. I thought he played a pretty good game, all things considered. I mean, the offensive line was a mess. He had no running game. You know, he was without one of his starting receivers in Brian Edwards, and I know he had the interception, but I think that was one of those passes that that went off Aguilar's hands, and so. I thought he played pretty well. He was aggressive, pushing the ball down the field. He wasn't doing, you know, a lot of the check down Charlie stuff. You know, obviously that gets lost in the mix when you lose by 25 points. But, yeah, I wouldn't put anything on, on Carr really coming out of this game. Yeah, he used his legs well, too. I think he got two first downs running. Yeah, I thought this was one of his better games as far as using his legs because he just doesn't do it that much. He also got the first kind spot, I think, in the history of Derek Carr running. He never gets good spots. And I think a lot of it is his own doing. I, I think that one first down, I don't know if he quite got there but he actually got a kind spot for once he said afterwards that i thought it was interesting this is the best offense he's been on uh so far in his career i thought that was interesting i mean uh obviously there's potential for it to be that good but uh to me i thought that was kind of a little of a leap but it's good if he has that much confidence in his offense and it's that's a good sign all right well the Raiders will be back on the road next week they're heading to cleveland take on baker mayfield and the browns i don't know if uh, odell beckham will be available for the browns he was injured on sunday so we'll see what kind of team what kind of performance baker mayfield has he's been obviously up and down throughout this season but browns have, have found ways to get it done so the raiders hey it was not a good day and, and obviously the you know the roller coaster of this season is kind of you know winding here and there but they're three and three the schedule is going to get a little bit uh, more manageable here but you know going to Cleveland and playing a team that's played well at times played not so well at other times uh, is a challenge and we'll see if they can get back above 500. Should be a high scoring game what's that game against the Browns two years ago that the, the shootout should be that was that was a good game probably similar next week probably like 51 to 48 probably. 51-48. That's huh? my prediction, yeah. I'm going I'm, I'm early this week. Take the over. Take 51, the over. 51-48. Yeah, it'll probably be a, a shootout. Like you said, I mean, it, you would think they would blitz Mayfield a little bit more given how he struggled against the blitz so far this season. 
even if they do get more pressure, I don't think this defense like is, is very good regardless. So if the other team has any kind of offensive firepower, the offense is probably gonna have to win a shootout for them to win. Like, but I, I will say I'm thinking I've been picking against the Raiders for a lot of weeks now. I think I'm gonna end my my streak this week and and go for them against the the Browns. We can get there on we can get there on Wednesday. All right, so 51 48 Raiders. I like it. Don't spoil it, man. We can't be making. Oh yeah, it sorry. Never mind. I said I think. I said I think it, it could change. Oh, okay. Get there. There you go. Nice yeah. tease. There you go. Good, good save. save. Good save. Good save. I said 51-48. I didn't say who's going to win. I said 51-48. But I didn't say who's going He's leaving us in suspense. Yeah. He, can't, he can't change the score then. He can't. Yeah, he's got to stick in. with that score. Yeah, you got to keep 51-48. Score's locked in. All right. We'll talk to you guys again later this week. All right, y'all. Peace. Later. Adios, muchachos, muchachas. I think there's a little bit of a warm sensation on his bum right now, probably, I think. 